Anyway, good morning, everybody. God bless you. You guys are chatty Cathy's out there having a picnic on me. It's just a meet and greet, everybody. <laughs> anyway, so good to have all of you here today. And already, the, hasn't the presence of the Lord been so rich already? And I tell you, God's up to some good stuff. I can feel it. I know it. And we're already hearing good reports of what the Lord is doing. So I do have a, a fun announcement today. But um, Titus and Stephanie are expecting a baby. <laughs> I told you, don't drink the water here. Our new mission statement is we build faith builders one baby at a time. Because we have so many babies in the church since I became the pastor. It's awesome. But um, anyway, I'm so excited for them. And I just, oh, what a great thing, huh? We got babies coming everywhere. And God is so good. Church Girls 101, amen. Keep producing. Hallelujah. Um, I would want to share a quick testimony because as I was praying, the Lord reminded me of this testimony of really just speaking the word over your life, how powerful the word of God is. And this isn't my message today. This is a little golden nugget, Okay. But just very fast, let's see how fast I can share this story because I have a good teaching this morning. But when I was in, the, uh, I was in um, Romania and I went there to preach and they flew me straight in and they put me um, under a tent with, dry, with dead grass. Well, I have allergies and at the time I had asthma. And so I ministered all night long under this dead grass and we were out in the middle of nowhere, literally. Um, they took us to the hills of some little town and uh, went back to my room and I couldn't breathe, and I'd use my inhaler, and I couldn't get any relief, and so I put in my earbuds, and I put in worship music, and I just started walking and praying, and I just said, you know, God, if you don't heal me, I'm going to go home in from Romania today, and I don't want to do that, but what I kept doing is just declaring the word, declaring the word, because that's really all I had. I was getting no relief. And, but I kept saying this scripture verse over and over, and it was, No disease or pestilence shall come nigh my dwelling. No disease or pestilence shall come nigh my dwelling. And I just decreed that, and I honestly, after an hour or so, I would, had total relief. God healed me. I went the entire missions trip being able to minister with no problems at all. But the cool part of this story is this. We were, I was staying in a, a, like an upper place with other missionaries, and we all had rooms in this area. And there was a commons room, right, where we all had our breakfast or whatever. And so the last day, we're all bringing our luggage out and coming together. Oh, this was so awesome. And one of the girls says to me, she says, I am so glad to get away from all these tiny little disgusting black bugs. And everybody's like, yeah, I know. I'm so sick of those little black bugs. And I'm like, what black bugs? And they're like, well, don't you have black bugs in your room? I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. And the girl goes, come look at my room. And in their room, this is no joke, all over the walls of their bathroom and their rooms was tiny little black bugs. I didn't have one little black bug. Why? No disease or pestilence shall come nigh my dwelling. And I got such a revelation of God's word. Speak the word of God, amen. It will be fulfilled in your life. Hallelujah. All right, let's get into this teaching this morning. I'm starting a little mini-series. It's two, maybe three weeks, I'm not quite sure, because we are getting near to Christmas already, you guys. Can you believe it? I know, it's so exciting. So I want to kind of get into some special message during that time. But um, I'm going to be talking to you over the next couple weeks on emotions. And I know nobody that comes to Faith Builders has emotions. You all are even killed, very get-along-with-everybody people. I know, it's our DNA. So just take really good notes for everybody else that you can talk to. 
But I'm not really going to talk too much this service about our, our initial emotions. I'm going to share some other things. But emotions are very powerful things, aren't they? And they can hurt us or they can catapult us into something great and how that we are using them biblically. So the next couple of weeks, I want to really teach us how to manage our emotions and handle them the way that God would want us to handle them. I saw uh, this post on social media. This is back probably more uh, COVID days when everybody was sick and tired of everything emotionally were at its highest, right? And this person had a social media post, and, and he said this. He said, type one word that describes your current emotional state. And they must have been a Christian because then they said no cuss words allowed. So no cuss words, but what's one word that would describe your emotional state? And I think even if I was to ask that today, um, what's the one thing that's the emotional state of things that you are feeling? And what's so dangerous, I think, about Christians, and, I, and it's definitely my personality, is we have things that we feel. We have disappointments. We have frustrations. We have questions about what's going on in our life or not going on in our life. And the danger is that we may take that and just sweep it under the carpet. And go, well, I'm just going to forget it and move on. And we do that so much. And then at some point in our life, what happens? It's going to spring forth, oh, well, within my soul, right? It's going to spring up in our life. And so God gave us emotions, but we've got to hone into what am I feeling in this moment? What's the thing that I keep pushing under the carpet that God's like, no, I want you to know that I'm there with you. I care about you. I care about what you've gone through. And I want to heal you. Amen. God is such a good God. So they wrote many things like, I feel numb, I feel angry, I feel afraid, um, anxious, irritated. I think right now, because we're so far away from all the things that we went through in this world, I think there's still elevated emotions, but maybe not as bad as it was. But we went through so much that emotions were so escalated. And I think for me as a pastor, if I had to pick one word, it was the word unsettled. Because it was unsettling as a, as a leader, and I was just listening to Craig Rochelle yesterday, and he was talking about how, um, you know, it was the hardest time to lead during COVID is because are you making the right decision? Are you making the wrong decision? And I think even now it's a little unsettling, unsettling in relationships is like, well, do you believe this way? Do you believe that way? You know, you know, we have all these, do I get close to you? Do I hug you? Do I not hug you? Are we six feet away? Do I have a mask? And there's all these emotions that we're not really sure what we want to do with because we want to respect and we want to honor people with where they're at. And so for me, it was unsettling, you know, and it could be the smallest things that would trigger this unsettling emotion on the inside of me. And I'll share more a little bit at the end of our teaching about how I went through that, but everyone has these emotions that we've got to recognize and we've got to allow God to come into the center of those emotions so that we can bring them under control, right? So we don't self-destruct and that we don't hurt the people around us, right? So we're going to talk about today, though, is biblical emotions. And I really want to look at today about the emotions of Jesus, because if you look through scripture, Jesus had a lot of emotions, and he knew how to handle them. And as I begin to kind of study and research, I found that Jesus went through 39 different emotions in scripture. 39 times in the word that we found Jesus was emotional. So emotions are wonderful. They can move us in a good direction. They can move us in, in positivity and in, in forgiveness, but we have to learn how to handle them. Amen. How many of you have raised daughters? 
Okay, I know we have a couple here. It's like four of them. And you have probably experienced every 39 emotion that I saw Jesus experience. I only know because I was a youth pastor for eight years. And every time a girl would turn 13, it was like they turned crazy. Every emotion that happened could happen. <laughs> so let's look at some things. I just want to give you briefly. We're not going to dig deep into this part this morning. But you can take it for your personal study. But let's look at some examples that Jesus walked in and showed his emotions. A Luke 9. 19, verse 41 through 44, you can study that at home. Jesus was looking over Jerusalem, and they were rejecting God. They were rejecting the gospel, and the Bible says that Jesus looked over Jerusalem, and he was grieved in his heart. So there was emotion. They were missing out on, on knowing God and knowing the Savior and knowing hope and forgiveness, and he felt emotion. Um, we see in scripture over and over that Jesus got angry a few times. We know he got angry at Peter a lot, probably more than scripture records, but he even said, get behind me, Satan, to Peter. There was this righteous anger in him, and we see him get angry at religious leaders all the time, the Pharisees, and their rules, and their regulations, and the legalism that they were more interested in the law than they were loving people. And we have to be very careful of that in the church also, don't we? That we're not so about religion and the law. Yes, we come into righteousness, but our first stance is to love people unconditionally. But the religious leaders, they were legalistic, and they were more about what looked like on the outside, and Jesus would get angry with them. We also see in Luke chapter 10 that he was looking at 72 disciples that were sent out over to share the good news, and they went out in groups of two, and Jesus was overwhelmed with joy that these 72 were coming back telling good testimonies. So it's this great emotion. We find in John 11 when Lazarus died, Jesus had great emotions. The Bible says that he cried out. He wept in sadness, profound sadness within his soul. And the last one I want to share is Mark 14. We know in the Garden of Gethsemane, before he went to the cross, that there was a, a, it was a loneliness in him, an anxiety in him. There was a separation that he knew he was going to experience from his father, that he was so anxious with the emotions that he, he uh, sweat drops of blood. Those are pretty strong emotions, aren't they? So emotions are not a bad thing. They're an expression of what you're feeling and what you're going through, but learning how to handle them the way God would want you to handle them. So we're going to look today, though, in Luke chapter 7, and, and this is for you, and the title of my message today is called, Where is God When You Hurt? Because when we're going through the pain and, and we're going through trials in our life, and I've been through probably four things in my life that literally broke my heart. I mean, things that just shattered me, four or five, possibly. I probably have more if I kept on looking, but let's just keep that back there, amen? But I can just look back just briefly, and there's things that broke my heart. And, and we have to know how to find Jesus in those moments that you're hurting, because he is there. Now, when you're hurting, he feels the farthest, when you're going through challenges, he feels the farthest. I know sometimes I feel like my prayers are hitting the ceiling. But if you learn to know, and I'll show you in scripture today, that he is there with you, you just have to recognize him and lean into him. Because the Bible says he never leaves you or forsakes you. So when you're going through an emotional situation, it's really hard to discern God. So just know you're not alone. Every one of us in this room has a story where we've wondered, God, where are you when I've been hurting? 
right? So I'll share you some of my examples too today to help help you get through to see that God really is there for you and he cares about your pain. He cares about your brokenness. He cares when you're angry and frustrated and he wants to meet your need. So let's look at Luke chapter 7. Uh, we're going to break down a few of these verses and then we're going to really just let, let the Lord speak through these things. So this was the famous message that we know, the Sermon on the Mount. So let's read it all together. Set not together. I'll read it to you. Soon afterwards, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain, and a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a widow's only son. A large crowd from the village was with, was with her. When the Lord saw her, what happens? Now there's an emotion Jesus had. His heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. Then he walked over to the coffin and touched it, and the bearers stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk. And Jesus asked him back, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Great fear swept the crowd, and they praised God, saying, A mighty prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people today. So we're going to break down these verses here just a little bit, but Jesus had this powerful expression of a deep, divine compassion towards this woman, right? So let's visualize and let's look at this story. I'm going to break it down for you. Jesus shows up at the gate, and there's this funeral procession going on. Jesus doesn't know them, and there's mourners that are there making loud noises, probably playing instruments, and we know that the mourners were probably paid generally, right, to let their wailing and their grieving be known. And so here Jesus is walking up into this scenario, and we see a widow who is now a single mother, she had lost her husband, though. She, we don't know exactly what age she was, probably 23 to 30 when I looked it up. Her husband has died. We don't know much about his story, and we don't know much about the son other than he had died. And if you look at this funeral procession, usually within 24 hours, the Jewish people would have their burial right away because of the customs, but also because they didn't have the embalmment and all of that. So this mother is now, she's lost her husband. She's been a single mother, and she's bearing her only son. Imagine the grief that this woman is going through, the deep grief within her heart. And who shows up? Jesus shows up in the middle of her grief, in the middle of her confusion. And what's so beautiful about this picture is you don't have to always go looking for Jesus in your grief. Jesus will come to you, but you have to recognize him. Because if you try to go find Jesus in your frustration and your offense and you're wondering where are you, God, and what's going on, you will find everything else but the peace of God. Because you're looking really for answers. You're looking for the whys. You're looking for the change instead of really looking for Jesus. And Jesus is the only answer, amen? He's the only one who can heal your heart. He's the only one that can bring things back together. He's the only one that can make the crooked places of your life straight again. But we have to look to Jesus. But we also have to see that Jesus is there with you. Amen. So here's this overwhelming grief that this woman is facing. And you have the ability to either ignore the emotions or react to the emotions. 
So what happens when you have grief? What are you doing? Are you ignoring it or are you reacting? Both can be very dangerous. So let's look at this in verse Luke chapter 7, verse 13. In her deepest pain, in her darkest moment, what does scripture say? The Lord saw her. Now, this almost seems silly and funny because Jesus, when he's out in the crowd, doesn't he see everybody? Like, literally, he's walking through the crowd. He's seeing everybody, but it's not that kind of saw. It's not that he just sees everybody. He saw her. He saw her pain. He saw her dilemma. He saw her grief. That, that means he sees someone. It's a, it is a verb. It's something in action. You know, you can look at many things but not see many things. Now, I am a very observant person. I, I pretty much know what's going on in the room, where it's at. I know somebody's body language, but many of us can look but never really see. But you need to understand that when Jesus looks at you in your pain, he sees you. He sees what you're going through. There's something on the inside of him that perceives, not just with the eyes, but with the heart. And that word also means to discern or regard. What you're going through is not unimportant to Jesus. What you're feeling is so important to the heart of God that it's a deep compassion on the inside of him. But we feel lonely. We feel abandoned. So we think God is not on our side. But there's this love in God that is unstoppable in the pain that we're going through. So he didn't just look. He saw. He noticed. Amen. All right, so let's look at this again. We've got a single mother, lost her husband. She's in shock. She's in the middle of all the chaos of her life, and God saw her. And what I want you to get into your heart this morning is that the same way that Jesus saw this woman in her grief is the same way he sees you. And the Bible says he is not a respecter of persons. So he doesn't just look at favorably to someone that you think deserves it. He looks at you. He is no respecter of persons. He sees your heart. He sees your pain. He sees what you've gone through, and he wants to heal it in your life. He wants to restore it in your life. He wants to empower you to be able to let those things go so that you can go into the kingdom with Jesus Christ. Amen. God cares when you're afraid. He cares when you're lonely. He cares when you're abandoned and rejected. He cares when you're trying to pay the bills. He cares when you're wringing your hands about life. He cares about everything that you are facing. But if you feel like God doesn't care, you won't call on him in your time of need. It'll be the last person that we call because we're trying to figure things out instead of leaning on the Father. Amen. So this isn't just a story to say, well, that was good for her. No, this is for you this morning. Yes. If you are hearing this today, whether online or in this room, God sees you. Amen. And he cares about what you're going through. And he wants to minister to you. So let's look at verse 13 in chapter 7. So what, do, what did he feel towards her? He saw her, but what does he feel? In verse 13, when the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. That means there wasn't enough room in his heart to contain what he felt. Isn't that a beautiful picture of the love of God? 
That in the midnight hour when you're crying out to God, the heart things that you're feeling that you've never told anybody before, God's heart is overflowing with compassion for what you're going through. And that word also is a verb. It's, it's an action, not a description. He's not describing compassion. He's feeling it. He's moving with compassion. It's an action towards you. Oh, yeah, I'm glad God loves me. No, God loved you so much that he sent his son. God is in movement for you. He loves you enough to heal you. He loves you enough to restore you. He loves you enough to let you have forgiveness so you can let the past go. There is a compassion of God that overwhelms him for your life. And it wants to flow over. It's a verb. It also means it's a love word. The Greek word, the root Greek word of compassion is the word called splagna. Say that together. Splagna. No, it's not Italian. It's Greek. But you may not forget it now. It's a splagna with a little sugu on the side. Right? Splagna, is a, it's a Greek word, and it means from the seed of love. It's from the guts or the intestines. It's something that's so deep that when Jesus feels compassion, it's like it's ripping his insides out. That's crazy compassion. And yet we can believe the lie of the enemy and say, well, God doesn't care, and God doesn't see me, and God didn't show up on my behalf. And those are real emotions, but not scriptural. He has so much that when he feels your pain, it's like his guts are ripping out from the inside of him. Now let me put this in a little better picture to maybe help understand. Let's say you're driving out of church and you're heading out to lunch and you get out there and you see an accident on the road, right? And you're like, oh, man, you see ambulances and we have compassion, right? Like, oh, I hope they're okay. And then you get a little closer and you see some people on the ground and they're actually getting worked on and you're not sure that they're doing well, probably passed away. And then you get a little closer and you see the car and you recognize the car. And then you realize it's two people that you love. Splagna. It's a compassion. It's a pain that goes so deep that now your guts have been wrenched. You're sick because something that you love has, is hurting. That's the love and compassion God has for you. Isn't that good? And when I know somebody cares that much, I will press into that love. I will press into that, that compassion. I will press into that warm, loving arms and that protection that he says I can run into, right? I'll press into that because I know he loves me and he's going to watch over me. He's going to heal me. He's got my best in mind. And I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I know my God is on my side. Amen. So there's this deep compassion on the inside of Jesus and the Lord saw her. He noticed her. He felt her and he cared. The Lord sees you, he notices you, he feels you, and he cares for what your deepest heart's desires are, amen? More than you can imagine, God cares for you. He knows when you feel desperate. He knows when there's things in life that took your breath away. How many ever had things take your breath away? Gut-punching. You're fighting for your marriage, right? You're fighting for your children. You're frustrated. You have questions. God cares about those things. So let's look at uh, John 7, verse 13. Let's keep going. Jesus sees this grieving mom, and he walks up, and he says to her, don't cry. 
What is he saying? Stop with the emotions. Listen, at some point in this grief and frustration and questions, you have to stop the emotions. Even Bible says, the Bible says, tears may endear for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And you can't live in this hurt state of mind long or physically and emotionally. It will tear you down. We see people leave the kingdom of God, leave churches, leave friendships because of a pain and a hurt that they never let go to God and let the healing of God come in. You got to stop it. Stop up the well. Amen? Stop it. No more emotions. I'm not going to cry one more day over this thing. I'm not going to wring my hands one more moment. Either God's going to show up or he's not. And I'm leaning towards I hope he is. Right? But I'm going to put a smile on my face. I'm going to get a little dance in my step. I'm going to laugh again. I'm going to put on a comedy movie. I'm going to go on a date night with my wife. I'm going to do something that turns my heart towards joy instead of staying in these emotions. Amen? Emotions are a choice. They're like a water faucet. I mean, even in Proverbs, um, they say that the women's uh, talk is like a dripping faucet. Nagging, a woman's like a dripping Turn the faucet off. Won't be dripping anymore. Turn off the emotions. We have the ability to do that. Just say no more. And God, I'm going to lean into you. As you showed up for this woman, you're going to show up for me. And you're going to give me my promise. Amen. You're going to meet the desires of my heart. So he said, stop crying. He said, this is the coolest part. Jesus is so cool. Then he walked over to the coffin and touched it. And the bearer stopped. Now imagine what just happened. I'm going to have them put up a picture there because... They didn't have caskets like we had caskets back, like we have. That's what they carried dead people on. They were called briars, buyers or something. And so this would be the procession. The dead body would be laying on there. Now, Jesus went past everybody, the wailers, the music, told the woman, basically, be quiet, right? Stop. And then he walked over to this and he touched it. Now, that is not something you did back in that day. You don't touch unclean things. And Jesus knew that. There was a religious law. If you touch unclean things, you become unclean. So, that the, and matter of fact, if you look back at the Pharisees, they had over 613 religious laws. How many thankful you live under grace today? I would constantly be at the gates of the temple sacrificing. They would run out of animals for sure. <laughs> you know how they say if you did this sin, you have to bring like two doves. And a, I'm like, everybody knew what you did too. I mean, I'd be sneaking an extra dove. You ain't going to know what I did, bro. <laughs> Putting a lamb up on there. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, talk about the shame and embarrassment of it all. You know they lied back then. You know they cheated. I ain't bringing two doves. I know I cheated on my wife. <laughs> But there were so many laws, the religious leaders, right? They wanted this great pomp and circumstance, this outward appearance, never living it on the inside, hypocrites on the inside, religious, but wanted the appearance of everything showcased. But Jesus said, I don't live by your law. I can break every law that I want. And Jesus walked up there, and he touched the boy's body. What did he do? He crossed the line. Jesus is a line crosser, amen. He's a rule breaker. 
And the beautiful thing about Jesus is he even will cross our lines if we will let him. Because what has happened in our hurt, we draw a line with God. Well, I'm, I'm not going to trust God anymore. I'm not going to believe God anymore. And we draw this line with God. Amen. I'll tell you a story. When I first came here to Arizona, I, um, some of you might know this portion of my story, but I went to a church in Mesa, as you know, and I became their youth pastor. And I had left everything I knew, everything of comfort, friends, family, awesome ministry. And I landed in this church. Nobody knew me and nobody really cared, you know. And um, I'm doing this youth ministry that I didn't want to do. And I was living in disappointment because it wasn't what I wanted. I was living lonely and my life just looked topsy-turvy. I mean, even as I came from my parents' church, I was um, a pastor there and I wasn't called a pastor there. I went from a beautiful office to a tiny little cubicle that I looked at this corner thing. And so all these motions were going through my life like, why am I here? I just didn't understand this moment. This wasn't what I thought it should look like. Has anybody ever been there? This is not what I wanted my life to look like. It was supposed to be with a beautiful man launching my own church, doing things I want to do. Like, that's what I saw. But God knew where I was at. And I remember just, like, lonely. I wasn't even allowed to pray at the altars because they didn't know me, which is fine. But all these emotions were going through me. And I remember one day I was just standing in the front row, and, and I was just so deep in, like, what is going on in my life? And I just had my hands up, and I was closing my eyes, worshiping, and, you know, tears were coming down. And I didn't tell nobody what I was going through. And all of a sudden, it was just like I felt the presence of the Lord come up. I was standing like this. And you know how a guy would take a girl and he dances with her? Well, I just felt the Holy Spirit just right in front of me. And it's like he just put his cheek on my cheek. And it was just real still. It wasn't like I was like, hey, what's up, you know. <laughs> Dip me back, you know. <laughs> it was just gentle. It was just like me and God. I probably don't even know if I was actually moving. But it was just like this moment God was with me. And he said, everything's going to be okay. And I was like, okay. All I needed was God to tell me that. Yeah. Nothing else changed. But all I knew was God said, I'm here for you. I see you. Yeah. I didn't get the answers. I didn't get the why. I didn't know until I left the church eight years later why. I got all my answers then. But I knew God said, everything's going to be okay. And I trusted God. I trusted his compassion enough to receive that word deep into my heart. So what? Jesus crossed my line. So I'm asking you today in your life, let him cross the line. What have you put up of a wall? And so what's well, never going to happen. It can never happen for me. I've trusted and believed or whatever it is. Let Jesus break the rule with you. Let him come across and love you to life. Let him encourage you, amen. He wants to do that now more than ever because he's preparing his church for a beautiful expression of his love. And if we are complete in his love, you know, then we can now win the world with that same love, amen. So let him cross the line. But distorted, distorted religion and, and legalism drew the line to keep people out, but it didn't keep Jesus out, amen. So what I want to encourage you with this morning also is that as we are building this church, that God has called, we know God has called Faith Builders Church, but the church is built on the people. And so we have to be willing as, as members of this church is to be a bringer to the house of the Lord. 
We've got to start inviting people to God's house. We should have friends and neighbors sitting next to us, amen, because you are the one that are going to bring the hurting and the loss to the house of God or someone that you recently won to Jesus. And I can promise you that the world is going to come into the church, and we have to be willing to not have a religious spirit with them either because the world's going to come in maybe looking like the world, maybe smelling like the world. Some of y'all did, but look what God did, right? The, the hurting and the people that are broken and offended, we can't engage in their offense. We have to give the same compassion that Jesus gave us, give compassion to the world, and do what our church is called to do is love people back to life. Amen? But we have to be the ones that are willing to bring people to the house of God. Right? All you can do is ask, and all they can do is say yes or no, but who cares? We're leaning for the yes, amen? But I really want to challenge our church as we're coming into this new year. Something special is happening in our house, but it's going to be us getting excited about what God is doing and being willing to step out and invite people that may not be church people and quit worrying about if it's what if they see this and what if they hear tongues. and None of that matters. The world is actually craving this stuff. It's the religious people that you'll run out, right, on things like that. But the world needs hope and help and, and change and the love of God like never before. So let's be willing. I want to put this up there really quick because um, Lonnie challenged our leadership meeting. Like, what's our church mission statement? I'm like, y'all better answer that. But so we're going to be talking about this a lot. But our mission is so simple at Faith Builders. It's to love people back to life, to fulfill God's plans and purpose. That's what our mission is, is to love people back to life. And that has to be our heart in this church, amen. Whoever comes in, whatever they look like, whatever the way they talk, none of that matters. We have to love people back to life like Jesus did, amen. All right, let's keep looking at this story really quick. So Jesus was ignoring all the religious policies. And when he walked over and touched that boy, the whole crowd gasped. It was like this, oh. What do you think you're doing, Jesus? Because it was the unbelievable thing you shouldn't do. But what happened when Jesus did the unbelievable? When the crowd gasped and he touched the little boy, what did the little boy do? He gasped with life. He gasped with life. Listen, one touch from Jesus can bring dead things back to life. One touch is all it takes. Amen? One touch and those dead things that you think are impossible, God can breathe life into those things. God can give you your hope back. God can give you your joy back. Amen? He can give you your peace back. Let's look at Luke 14 through 15. He said, young man, he said, I tell you, get up. And the boy sat up and began to talk. How many want some things to come back to life again? Dreams, desires, hopes. Maybe just your first love once again. What do you want to be stirred up on the inside of you? Jesus is standing right in front of you. And all he wants to do is you to lean into him and let him pour hope and pour life back into you. Amen. Just one touch from the author, the giver of life, can bring dead things back to life. Jesus saw, he cared, and he touched. This is my prayer for our church is that every person that comes in here, and we pray this even on our, our 
our intercessory nights, that the moment they touch the property, they will feel something. They will sense God. My prayer is one worship song, one touch from God, one song, amen, one part of the message, one prayer, one moment can change someone's life forever. And we need to be giving that same love away, amen. One touch, one encouragement to someone else. This woman had few options for her future. Women didn't have options. She was either going to beg or maybe prostitute. Very few options. But Jesus showed up and touched her and brought life back to her. Not only gave her her son back, but gave her her hope back. Amen. And God wants to give you that hope back also. When I was uh, pastoring through the COVID and all of that, as like, like I said earlier, it was one of the most challenging times as a leader because you normally as a pastor, you know exactly where you're going and you know exactly how to get there. And this was nothing like anyone had ever done before. And it was during that season that I'm just like, I cannot hear God. Has anybody been in a place you just can't hear God? And boy, I, des- I like try to manufacture. I'm like, yes, this is God. And I'm like, no, I know I'm totally making that up right now. Like, I just felt like everything I wanted to hear, I, I miss the church coming together. I miss the families. I miss the community. I knew the need of all of us the, being together and you being in the presence of God and being in community where there's love coming and there's healing coming. And my heart was broken in so many ways and just going, what are we going to do? And I just said, God, I just need a word from you. Like, do you see me, God? <laughs> do you see what I'm facing? And I can't hear you at all. And it's in those times where we're, we're wanting these answers from God. I wanted just something from God. And I remember one day I was just sitting at my desk just talking to God and trying to strategize and plan. And because I'm a strategic leader and I heard the Lord. I heard one word from the Lord. And you know what it was? He said, stop. Stop. And I knew what he meant. He's like, girl, just chill out. Quit trying to figure it all out. Quit trying to strategize. When I speak, step. When I speak, step. And that was such a new thing for me because I'm so used to strategy. I'm so used to the plan. God speaks to me very clearly my whole life. But he wasn't at this time. And it was a time where he was challenging me. And he was giving me tuned ears. And he was stretching my tent pegs to the right and to the left to, I believe, what's coming in the end of this year and for this church. But I had to know, God, you're there. I don't feel you. But do you see me? I think you see me. But what am I going to do? I'm going to press in. God, what are you saying? So you can stand back and be frustrated or press in and say, God, I'm going to stay here until you give me, even if it's one word. Might be a sentence for you. Praise God. I had one word, and I knew all that it meant. Stop moving, and I'll take care of it all. And you know what? I did. I did the things I knew we needed to do. We strategized getting online. We strategized text messages, emails. We did everything we knew we could do, and then I just rested. Just rest it. Why? Because God is in everything else. Do what you can do and then rest. God sees you. Let him lean in. You lean into him. Let him speak to you what you need to hear. And until you hear it, don't move. Amen? Let God speak to you. So God is with you. 
He loves you. He sees you. What we have to do is cry out to him. Cast your cares upon the Lord. Amen. Give it to God because he cares for you today. He cares. But you're gripping it. It's like some of you just got these things in your fist. And God's like, let it go. Got the kids. Let them go. The bill's done. Let them go. Amen. Matthew 6 says, if you worry about it, does it change anything anyway? Nope. Let it go. Give it to God. Let the anointing come into the things you're going to let go. Let the compassion of God come into your life. He will raise the dead thing back to life. But you have to let him touch it. We have to take our hands off of it. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and close your eyes. Father, I thank you this morning for this incredible church, God. And Lord, I just stand with them today through the things that they may be frustrated with, God. The things that they're hanging on to and overwhelmed with, Father God. And Lord, today, I just, we call upon your compassion, your great compassion that you have for them. And Lord, I ask that you would pour out upon them. Let them feel your hope once again. Let them feel your peace, Father God. Let them feel your presence. Lord, your word says that you give them ears to hear what your spirit has to say. So, Lord, open up their spiritual ears. I want you just with your eyes closed and maybe one fist, two fists, whichever you want, but put that thing in your hand that you're frustrated with or overwhelmed with or concerned or keeping you up at night. Just once you get it, just make a ball fist. And what we're going to do this morning is as we pray, we're going to release that to God. And I'm going to just have you throw it up and you're going to open up your hand on the count of three. And we're going to give it to Jesus today. Whether it's children, finances, fear, unforgiveness, whatever it is, whatever your hands are clenching, we're going to give it to Jesus today. So Father God, what's in our hands, your word says to cast our cares upon you. We're going to roll it off onto you, God. We're going to give it to you today. All the stress, all the worry, all the fear, all the things that we feel like we have to do, God, we're going to give it to you today by faith. And I pray, Lord, that as we do this, we'll have the great exchange. We're going to give it to you, God. And I ask that you pour down peace in the exchange. Give them joy. Give them hope. Father God, fill their mouths with laughter and their lips with shouts of praise as we give these heavy things to you right now. So, Father God, we lift them up to you. And in the count of three, we're just going to lift them up and give them to Jesus. Are we ready? One, two, three. Let it go. Just let it go. Father, pour down right now everything we've given to you right now, Jesus, the great exchange. Give them your peace and your presence and your joy. Let them, Lord, feel the compassion of your love pouring down upon them in the name of Jesus. That, God, when they leave here today, they will not feel the bondage, Father God, but they will feel the freedom and the glory of your presence. Father, we love you and we thank you for that. Jesus, Jesus' name, Lord God. I want everybody to repeat this prayer after me. I want you to say, dear Jesus, I'm asking you, forgive me of all of my sins. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I receive you today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may look at me this morning. Let's give the Lord a praise. Maybe some of you said that prayer for the first time. 
Maybe you're just coming back to Jesus. I don't know what it is, but we want to make sure that we get a Bible in your hand and that we equip you to do the works of the kingdom. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. We're going to go ahead and receive this morning's tithes and offerings, everybody. I'm doing everything today.